Welcome to Sharon Feelings. My name is Chris Sharon. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. I am so happy to introduce an old friend of mine. Our paths actually crossed briefly back in freshman year of college, and I'm just honored that he shared his time with me. So please welcome Mr. Jake Dillon. Jake is a dancer, singer, actor, performer, comedian, and teacher who has accrued quite a following from his hilarious routines as the generic Monmouth County mom. So check it out. Jake and I, we chat about our brief time spent together at Montclair State University, his decision to transfer schools, and how his life continued to change in ways he never could have expected. We talk a lot about theater programs and the hierarchy of value they instill in young people as we expand the conversation to accepting our individuality. We are all worthy to speak our mind and share our talents. Jake takes me through his successes, his doubts, his diagnoses, all the while exemplifying the reward of trusting yourself. He reminds me never to hide from the parts that make us unique even if we're embarrassed by them at first, for they make us who we are. And the only way to make one great big life is out of all the funny little pieces. Enjoy. You're doing exactly what I think we're all maybe trying to do, which is just stay creative and productive and like not lose our minds. For sure. Thank you. I mean, I've lost it already. But that was like, that was 28 years ago almost. Yeah. That was not now. Not a result of the pandemic. Clarifying, yeah. <laughs> but we're trying, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So how are you? Where are you? Good, thank you. I'm in New Jersey um, with my parents, which I've been like back and forth of. I was living in Harlem until the pandemic. Then I moved home for mid-March last year. And it feels weird to be r- rolling into mid-March again. Then I was home for six months. Then I moved to Hoboken, which was fine. And then I just was not the right roommate fit. So then I ended up moving home in December, have been there since, but I still work in Jersey City. So I commute to Jersey City, um, looking to move back to New York City like mm, by September. Oh, wow. September. Okay. And so your your parents are in where exactly? Uh, Marlboro, New Jersey, so like 45 from the city. Okay, now. yeah, 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 because um, my, my mom grew up in Trenton. Oh, beautiful. And my grandparents still live there in, in uh, Hamilton Township, so like, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jersey's in my blood. Every summer we were down at the Jersey Shore. Oh, yeah. That was like the vacation that we did. Oh. <laughs> so oh, it hits really. me hard. Yeah, I love it. So that move to Hoboken, was that like, I just need a change? Yeah, I think I was just going crazy, and Hoboken, I always knew it. Like, I had friends that lived there. I knew that I had to get some sort of job, like, close by in order to make that happen. So then I ended up getting a job in a school. I work as, like, a teacher's assistant in an elementary school. So that was, like, a 10-minute commute. And I just wanted to move to the city. And it was great for, like, early fall and, you know, when it was warm enough to run outside and do all of that. Then things started shutting down again, and really I was just bound to my apartment like everyone else. So... It just didn't make sense to be paying rent and not be completely immersed in a city. So let's hope that in the next, like, six months, year, things will shape up again. Where are you guys living? Um, The West Village right now in Greenwich Village. Oh, my gosh. How beautiful. Yeah, it was like we – so we were kind of nomadic for a bit. So I was on – I was working for Disney Cruise Line when the pandemic sort of shut the world down. And we were kind of trapped on the boat for a little bit. And Kristen, she was actually sailing – 
with me just like as a guest then she oh, had wow. to leave and i had to stay it was just like very dramatic um, it was a lot wow. it was wild so she was already in california and we ended up docking in san diego which is where we were meant to continue our cruises out of but you know a few weeks went by once the pandemic hit and then finally we were able to get off so i got off in san diego she came picked me up and we stayed with her family for like two months in california oh wow and lucky. yeah yeah i still think back on it and i'm like wow Wow, we we took advantage of that way too hard. Like we we oh, took it for right. granted. Like <laughs> you know what we I mean. We all had to. Like why not? You know, everything else was shut down that we had plans of doing, and just soak it up. Yeah, you know? and it was it was really perfect because just you know they live in just like a very nice like suburban neighborhood. So like you could go for a walk and not come in contact with anybody. I can remember back thinking like. You know, that was the time where I thought, you know, if I walked next to a person, I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like it's- 100%. I was talking about that with my mom this morning because also, surprise, I work with my mom. And this is not the first time in my life. Um, but no, my mom was working in this school prior to me. So they were looking for assistance. So I literally moved home and now commute with my mom in the morning. And like, <laughs> she'll be, which, you know, is the most beautiful blessing. Um, but also like if I don't have my coffee in me, it's like seven ten. I'm like, I can't conversate right now without coffee. But I was talking with her this morning, how last year it's like the thought of going to a grocery store seemed deadly and any movement, any interaction with anyone seemed deadly. So thank God we've progressed. No, totally. And I'm, I mean, I'm glad that like we took it, like some of us took it that seriously, at least, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like, of course. <laughs> you know, but yeah, we were so lucky to be out there and then. By June, we sort of started this cross-country trip. We stopped in Arizona, we stopped in Oklahoma, and then we stopped in Michigan, and then we finally ended up in Pennsylvania, back where my mom's at. Yes, seeing family along the way, staying like for two or three weeks at a time, and yeah, it was it was like we were so lucky to do that. I think because you know we were able to keep it contained and keep it safe, and then we were able to see family that we haven't seen and forever and you know so we got back to Pennsylvania staying with my mom for a bit and we were just like starting to feel feel really stuck you know what I mean like just I think we we created enough distractions for ourselves along the way that like we didn't really think about how stuck we were until it finally all settled down and we were just like wow there's still no future for us. Oh, right now. yeah. I mean, thank God you got to do that, though, because I just feel like people have always wanted to travel cross country or just visit friends in every state in the country, and there was never an opportunity. And then COVID weirdly set it up where we had nothing else to do. And you guys really took advantage of that in the best way, I think. Yeah, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it was it was tough because, you know, we ended up driving for really long stints of time just because we didn't want to, like, stay in hotels or take any sort of risks like that. And it was cool. I mean, I love to drive, and so, like, driving for long, long periods of time like that is just, like, really relaxing and calming to me because I just... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's just, like, everything just kind of fades away and you get to just, like, focus on just driving and, like... I don't know, all the thoughts and craziness oh, just subsides. I think that way too often, and I think it comes with, I mean, first of all, you have to be fortunate enough to have a car, but, like, any chance I get to take the 30-minute drive to the beach, like, will ease my mind, like, in the same way that a run does, like, it's just so beautiful, and yeah. to do that cross-country is, I don't know, I'm hoping to be that one day. To- yeah. No, you will, you absolutely will, and yeah, so, like, when we finally thought about moving back to the city, I think it was this move of, like, wanting to be ready. 
We didn't know exactly when things were going to start coming back or how they were going to come back. But regardless of what the circumstances were going to be, we wanted to feel like ready, I guess, was sort of the idea. And just randomly, I found this place on Zillow and we visited it the next day put an offer in and like literally within 72 hours from me finding it we, we were in and it was just like one of those new york things where just like all of a sudden oh and well, for, i mean i think it's such a great setup when you have a significant other i mean i dream of that where you can just split a one bedroom like i think that is so ideal and then at that point you could probably look at a better location or somewhere that's more suited for you i don't know if that makes sense so you can really live large i guess when you're with a significant other. So. Yeah, yeah, in a way, for sure. I think, like, I mean, absolutely so blessed and so lucky. I just, I think it really just gave us a, we can take more risks, I think. And we try to live just by, like, trying and failing and seeing what we love. Oh yeah. And it's That's just, yeah, it's really worked out, man. And, and honestly, like, so I lived in the city for, like, three years, just, you know, doing the thing, hitting the pavement, grinding, audition, all that. And I think because of that, it had this, like, I didn't love being there. You know what I mean? I just didn't love it. And and now, in a very strange way, just between living in this neighborhood and just not having that pressure of having to get up and audition, I think I, like, finally love New York City. And, like, I'm so fucking happy about it. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. And how wonderful to work at Disney. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, every, honestly, I look back and, like, it came into my life when I needed a big change, when I felt sort of stuck and unsure of, like, where I was going to go next. It was right after I graduated Montclair, and then, you know, I got to travel the world, which is something I never thought I wanted to do until I did it, and then I was like, holy shit, I have to do this for the rest of my life, you know? Wow. Um works out perfect yeah because you know like i said we you know we grew up going to the jersey shore and that was about it you know <laughs> like which What's nothing true? not it's hating on the jersey up. shore like that is my oh, yeah. home <laughs> of course that's all i ever sought out after sought for it's all wow. you needed wait that's good so i'm trying to think now because years because now that we're 45 um so you you graduated in 2011 right or 2015 yes yeah so i so so we were technically both freshmen at the same time yes. yeah that was such a fun time i mean like i thought i you know i didn't really know what i wanted but like i still had fun in the moment i had fond memories of those four months i was there yeah and it was just weird that my best friend still kelsey went with me like we were just hooligans like out at that cafe karma whatever it was called cafe carpe um, diem carpe diem oh my god <laughs> i would be there until 3 a.m like doing homework and then like be at ballet at 8 a.m <laughs> but we had that in us at 18 how yeah i was gonna like no chance i could do that now oh my god no i but yeah no, we really had a great time and we were in rags together right because there must be pictures somewhere in like my photo booth of us giving the peace sign like it's all there Oh my god! I was That's just talking to Michael Taylor Robinson, and we oh, we were talking about rags. <laughs> what a show! God that whole thing was trippy. I think I was playing a ten year old. <laughs> I mean, by all means. I have to. I think I do have that on film somewhere. Oh my god! You got to send it to me. Yeah, we're gonna find that. Oh my and gosh! That was a great cast of people. And, it really was, fun. yeah. What and what a show! What a weird, what? random show to get all those people together. And uh, in the best way. <laughs> yes. I want to hear all about your time and sort of how you transitioned. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually so sad in retrospect that I left. I remember getting into that on um, Miami trip, and I like would have if I continued there, I would have went to Miami. Like that would have been really fun. I just like 
didn't know what I wanted and I got into Pace, which the dance program was better suited for me because Montclair was more modern based and I just wasn't trained in that style. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was like, okay, Pace is more theatrical and there's a voice component and there's acting, whatever. So I ended up transferring there. I worked on a cruise ship for my sophomore year, like first semester. Then I came back. I also transferred my major to be like, it probably was like a math major as well. It was like business meets I was taking economics. Like, I had no clue what I was doing. Okay. Then I finally decided, like, get a friggin' BFA in dance. So then I re-entered, which delayed me a year. And then I finished college altogether in five years, which I guess is what you did Yeah, as well. same, yeah. Um, yeah, so it all worked out. And then I got the BFA in dance in 2016. And then since have worked in some regional shows. Um, teach Always teaching dance on the side is, like, my side income. I've done, like, a couple film things here and there. And then I've always been doing this side, like, social media presence and then over COVID, it just, like, transitioned onto TikTok, just honestly by accident. Like, I didn't... I thought TikTok was, like, for 10-year-olds or, like, 12-year-olds. Like, I didn't realize that there's a way to grow my stuff on there as well. So then I just started posting, and the virality factor was so much larger on TikTok. Like, things would just go viral overnight in a way that Instagram had stopped doing, and I was so plateauing on Instagram. So I found this new love for just wanting to do my content online because there was no way to audition anymore. And honestly, when I was, no one was hounding on my door. No one was casting me. So I just, like, didn't see my future going in theater anymore. So now I just kind of, like, do this and hope for the best all while pursuing my day job and, you know, teach at a school. And so, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm living seven lives at once. But I think that's what feeds my, like, ADHD is just always doing everything. Talk to me about sort of, like, growing up and how it seemed like theater was always sort of important to you and and I was just talking to my friend last night about this concept of a BFA program in general and it's so funny because this podcast is not a theater based podcast but we oh, always yeah. end up talking about theater oh, yeah. what else can I do theater. yeah like I heard I was listening through and I heard like Josh and I was like oh my god now I can hear because you know Josh is my friend for 20 years yeah get more about Josh's life that I feel like I haven't asked but no you have a lot of like important totally yeah Josh is gonna lose his mind when when this episode comes out I can't wait I know um Uh, I haven't told him to anyway yeah um (laughs) you know I was just talking to my friend about this BFA program situation because so to me at the time like growing up you know I did theater because it was fun to do like truly that was why I did it and there was no sense of comparison there was no sense of competition maybe a little bit like when the cast list came out or there were callbacks or all that stuff you know but I, I grew up doing sports so like the idea of competition was not really like foreign to me so that's as far as it went with that but when I was thinking about studying musical theater for real I was like oh, well, I got to go to a BFA program because that's the best there is, you know? And, like, I need to push oh, yeah. push my limits and push myself. And the school that I was at, American, actually, they had a, a BA program. They didn't have a BFA. But the people that in that department, the teachers and the, and the students, it was because of them and their energy and, like, their love and support that I even found it within myself to want to pursue musical theater for real in the first place. And I think back all the time about I probably could have just stayed there and and gotten a fantastic education. You know what I mean? Like I just made made just as many connections or friendships or whatever. And it's so funny because at the time I was so focused on trying to get BFA because I didn't really know that much, but I knew that BFA was like the best thing ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Not get into a BFA. Let's pull out my notebook. Uh, 
all of the schools I didn't get into. Um, and not even to be like that, I think it's more because I think what you're saying is so important. When I see these, like, 17-year-olds on TikTok now, I always find myself on this weird side of TikTok that's, like, 17-year-old seniors in high school, and they're hysterical, but all... All they need and want in life is a BFA program, like you're saying. And I wish that we could have this late 20 voice in their head that tells them, like, no, no, like, you can do life another way and still get in the same road. But that's a journey for them. And everyone needs to go on that journey as you did and as I did. So, yes, I grew up, like, since seven, like, doing only theater. So, like, with Josh fans. Like, we were, like, the same childhood, like, very parallel. And, like, we grew up in a pool of boys that all only did theater. Our moms are still friends. Like, it was very... I don't know what to call it now in retrospect, but it was like very driven in a certain way. And then we all ended up in the same high school program. We were all in this acting program uh, called FPAC, which was in Howell High School in New Jersey. And it was like very designed to have people, if you wanted to, like pursue BFA programs and that's it. So like, yes, at literally and like even when I was like 11 I was working in a show in New York and I remember being and like the adults in the show saying like, yeah, this is what you should do. You should pursue a BFA. So like. I kind of was, like, robbed of an actual childhood where I got to, like, explore other interests because I really only thought that was the only thing for me. So then come senior year of high school when I was auditioning, and mind you, hearing in my ear, and not to shade said person, but, like, a voice teacher of mine that literally would say things like, if you get into Boston Conservatory, you're making it on Broadway. You're the top 5% of the people ever. If you get into CCM, you're going to make... And, like, literally would say blah, 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 one, two, three, school, and then every other school was a joke. Every other school means you're not going to be on Broadway. And was so black and white about it. And I really look back and, like, worry that these kids are growing up in a new generation hearing that because that is so wrong. I can't really express that enough. So when I was not getting into those programs or really any programs, like, I genuinely felt like a failure. And I thought that, like... I guess my whole past 10, 12 years of doing theater was meant, was all for nothing. And, you know, it's so weird in retrospect because another conversation that comes up frequently with these same pool of boys I grew up with who are now like approaching 30 is like, wait, why couldn't we just like do a high school performance and like call it quits and be like, oh, that was fun being on stage. Let's go get a job. Like, why did this have to become our careers? Because we're all a little unhappy right now. life and like it comes and goes there's such moments of success and then there's such moments of doubt I remember getting into acting at Point Park like the day of like on the spot and I got into acting at Ryder I believe and then I got into dance at Montclair and that was when it was such a game changer because I was like wait I'm getting into a dance program like I was always just like a musical theater dancer I never saw myself being at a dance program and I thought it was like so cool the thought of being like a dancer first and putting all my energy into that so Honestly, it was because of that where I felt like that was so exciting that I pursued dance at Montclair. And then, like, my whole world changed because I never identified as a dancer. I was always, like, an actor and a singer. And, like, it was that's also so effed up in retrospect that we were so, like, divided in high school. Like, you did dance or you did singing, acting. It's so weird. Like, I just cringe at, like, my younger self, but we all do. Yeah. Um, and I got into dance at Montclair, and I loved being the dancer first and putting all the energy in that. And then when I got to Pace, it was, like, me and dancers who have been dancing since they're out of the womb and they've been doing competitions since day one and like I could not relate to that and my whole four-year journey there was just like honestly trying to keep up with people that like had been taking ballet their whole lives and I didn't start till I was 18 so then my whole world shifted but I'm also thankful for that in retrospect because now I have the ability when I go to New York to audition to be in a dance call first and I know that's something that a lot of males want to be they want to be a dancer so like 
it all worked out, but I just think I had a very brainwashed childhood because to tie it back into what you're saying, I thought that a BFA in musical theater meant success and everything else did not. And like, I would love to tell a 17 year old, like if you have that interest in science, like pursue that because you can literally audition for a Broadway show when you graduate and book said Broadway show. And that is no shade to any lifestyle. Everybody's lifestyle and way they go about it is so important and so valid. I just thought a certain black and white way when I was younger. Yeah, I would have benefited more from having some sort of voice, I don't know, that would have said, like, whatever path you choose is, like, the right path. You know what I mean? Like, it's all in your head. All of this is not real. You know, it's like, whatever you're thinking is just what you're thinking. Absolutely. Not real. That's the best way to put it. Like, it's straight up not real. It's just (laughs) thoughts that someone said. Like, whatever your reality is, is real. Like, stop listening to everyone else's story. Because also, it's so unwritten. Like, we're all still so young, even if we're in our late 20s. Like, there's going to be a whole life to live with other endeavors and opportunities. So It also sets you up for a future where, like, if you do have other interests or passions or things that excite you, like, I don't know. It's this feeling of like, oh, well, well, if I step aside and, and, and pursue that, then, then I'm not an actor anymore. And like, I've oh, just yeah. given my whole life to that, you know, like. Oh, it's straight up an identity crisis. Like, it's just, you don't know how to identify as anything else. And that's where the harm comes in growing up and doing this one activity, this one hobby your whole life. Because you are conditioned to think that that's what you have to pursue. I don't think it's all a bad thing, but I think that when you choose to do other things and when I choose to pursue these teaching jobs and whatever and these full-time jobs there's always this voice inside of me that's saying but this is just for now this is just your side thing it's like no it's your your now it's a real job it's what you do so like it's okay if you're not acting right now and but I think that's like a complex that maybe not everyone has but it's for sure something I still struggle with of it's not meaning you're a failure because you're a teacher right now being a teacher is a wonderful job being a teacher is helping out so many people so that's just as lovely as being on Broadway. Like, it, it's all the same. Like, you got to measure your life in different ways. Yes, you know, you bring up such a good point, too. Like, this is your now. I'm obsessing over this idea of, like, all we have truly is the now. And I think that no matter what you do, as long as you're pouring your full energy and love and self into it, I think that's going to take you to where you next need to go. Oh, yeah. And you discover so many opportunities and fun interests along the way. Um, Like, I had been offered a dance teacher job four years ago. I'm now still in the dance studio, and I feel like I live this world in a a family of a dance studio that I didn't have growing up. And I always tell my students, like, I didn't compete. I didn't go to dancing school, quote-unquote, growing up. So I love being part of this, and I feel like I watch them grow weekly, and I get to practice as well and practice the creativity side of my brain. So it's been so rewarding getting to dive into teaching dance and if you literally like seven years ago even if you asked me if I'd be a dance teacher I would laugh like that's not what I ever saw in my future and now I identify as a dance teacher and I have won national competitions with my work and this is just stuff that when I was in Montclair at 18 and I'm seeing this like beautiful choreography like to me that was not ever in my heart that I'd be able to create choreography as well but if I didn't say yes to going to dance at Montclair initially and learning that end of it, then this wouldn't be my reality now. So everything does happen for a reason in that regard, like you're saying. And not for nothing, like the ability to teach and be there for younger people, I think like is something that I often overlook. And I think there's a part of me, and I don't know if you ever feel this way of like, 
you know, well, nobody's going to want to listen to what I have to say because I haven't done X, Y, and Z. You know, like, (laughs) like I'm not something. I feel that constantly. I'm sure we all feel that constantly. But then it's like, who is worthy of hearing then? Everyone has not achieved a certain thing. Like, we all have something to offer. I'm closing my door as my family just walked in. But we all have something to offer. And we all are worthy of teaching something. So... X to that mindset, 2021. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Very much like you, actually, I can relate. When I went into musical theater school, at least like you did with dance, like I felt so behind. Like here are all these people that decided a long time ago that they were going to be musical theater actors and they were going to be on Broadway and I know nothing. Truly is how I felt. And so this entire time I'm working and working and working, trying to be a part of this community that I constantly feel like I'm not good enough to be in. And all of that, pretty much I would say all of that, was put on by myself like I did that oh, to yeah. myself you know what I mean? someone like Clay now that I think and we're at the age now where we can probably be forming musical theater programs I would want someone like you that you could start more from scratch and build up talent and you know I think that's so much more valuable to have than someone that's maybe set in their ways of what they know and I think Clay definitely saw that in you and wanting to build someone who obviously had organic talent as it was and like being able to you know like move on from there so I think that's so wonderful to bring into a program yeah but there's like the imposter syndrome you know mentality of i'm not worthy yeah yeah i think honestly i think that's where it came back and i i thank you for saying that i it's such a difficult road in terms of musical theater specifically but just the industry in general because i think when i was in school of all the good that it gave me, it also kind of helped me develop this sense of judgment and like there being a very clear line between good and bad. And like, I, I can remember putting people in those categories and putting shows in those categories. And like, now I realize how absolutely destructive that is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, even at pace, like it was like kind of like straight up bullying. Like you would hear people in like the musical theater program like say things about people in the dance program and vice versa and it was like fuck it because I think like being 18 again like in a musical theater dance setting is I cringe like more than I can tell you like think of like the energies that are there and what they are capable of saying and doing but it's exactly what you're saying it's because people just think like this is good this is bad because this is all I know and I'm a child technically still so like it sucks and then it ruins people for life like I'm still unthinking unlearning things that I hear you know we all are yes Yes. as beautiful and wonderful as they were but you know it's hard to we don't we're not verbal about it it was really hard to be in the arts in college for four or five years totally there was another element which was like oh, you're going to musical theater school. How magical and wonderful and everything must be perfect. And so it was like this sense of like, I feel guilty for pursuing acting because it's such a privileged thing to do. I don't know. For sure. Yeah, no, you feel like you have to make it to prove something to the people that might not know as much about it. That's another complex to add onto the bucket list. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. Wow, you're really helping me realize a bunch because... I, oh, me too. I don't open these doors enough, like about college years or before that, really. And I don't go to therapy enough. That's the problem. But we're working on that. But yeah, I think we just, there's a lot of undoing. And my dad was very great with that, though. Like he would, he was at a comedy club in New York City. Like it's his main job growing up. It was like an entertainment club where a lot of comedians performed. So he got me to perform in these like weird shows where I would like literally sing like Colors of the Wind at 12 years old and like Home from the Wiz, like whatever. And just like, 
I don't know. I feel like I posted my bar mitzvah video, like, recently. Like, you wonder, like, how weird I was as a child. Like, it's all there. Like, there's no hiding from it. The receipts are all there and the blackmail's all there. But I like posting it because it's helped me out now in adult life for, like, views. But, yeah, so I've always come from that weird world. But then I think, like, you know that SNL skit that's, like, S- or a high school musical after high school where they're like, oh, wait, people don't dance around the cafeteria? Like, that's genuinely how I've walked into my adult life. Like, I literally thought that people just walked around and held hands like I did in my acting program for four years in high school and, like, going into, like, the streets of New York and realizing, like, no, like, you don't do that. Like, that was a complex, too. That was a really hard thing for me to grasp. So, I don't know. Maybe I should have just played more sports. Like, like you did as a kid. Like, I just... I quit by 12. I broke my finger playing baseball, the middle one, and I, like, never went back. That was it. Yeah. No, I, I love the idea of, like, opening these doors because it just it feels like an explorative like a free freedom kind of thing like i i always thought of it as like digging but that feels more like dark and like i'm going closer to hell or something you know what i mean but like i love that the idea i'll be there i'll be there i i'm going to yeah and i don't believe in any of that but i will be there Uh, (laughs) me neither that's a very that's a very good way to put it it is such a breath of fresh air to to unbox all of this as the influencers say but yeah I mean I am going to hell as well that will be for sure yeah and that'll be the title of this episode for sure Um, yeah yeah, but just this idea of like uncovering you know opening these doors and trying to trying to continue to ask why I was just saying to my mom on the phone literally today to me asking asking why is is a sort of active thought process because you're determined to get an end result which is the answer to that why and so to me it's more active because sometimes I get lost in this process of overthinking and thinking about thinking and then all of a sudden I'm just this this strain of thoughts that have led to actually nothing like no productive action whatsoever I've just spent hours thinking and it's like whoa you know so I'm trying to like you're so aware and on top of this thought is so important Totally. Aware of yourself. Well, thank you. Yeah, totally. I'm and I'm like, yeah, I'm in the preliminary stages, I guess, of like actually implementing it. But like, I love the idea of opening doors because then you just, you know, you go up to another one and you open the next one and you just keep figuring out until you get that answer. You know, of like, why do I actually feel this way? And I think a lot of it, unfortunately, but just you know, just circumstances. I think it stems from those college years or even maybe before. You know just things that were put in place before we had the verbiage or before we had the, you know, emotional bandwidth to be able to talk about these things and really identify like, oh, maybe I, you know, have developed these habits because of X, Y, and Z. And and I think it's just good to like point at it and say that there it is. That's it. You know, got it. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's that. There's in, in the way we learned about theater. And there's also I've learned the way I handle friendships and adult relationships. Like, if you grew up in a team setting in any way or a theater realm or whatever, you always had these built-in friends that were just always around. It's really hard as an adult to make friends. And if it's not through a job or even if it is and you're working a theater job, you know that it's temporary and it's hard to maintain those relationships. So that had put a stunt in my growth as well as an adult because my childhood friends were just there. It was They were always around doing the same activities I did. So going into a program in the arts in college I kind of expected the same and when it wasn't put out that way and I feel that same kind of love like I just felt lost I was like okay well then 
like literally it's so weird in retrospect that I didn't then just like go out and make friends with the normal population in Pace University like literally I would say to people oh well like the dancers aren't nice so I don't have friends like why do you live in a city like go on tinder like I don't understand what my complex was there but again it's we need therapy but I just think that that was a lot of problems that we're learning so thank god for this quarantine Yes, absolutely. No, it's so real. Like I can remember actually think. I mean, Montclair. There were like what thirty thousand people that went there. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to speak to any of them. If they... that is so fucked up in the best way. Like you know, I'm fucked up too. Yeah, yeah. Of course. It's just. Um, it's absolutely hilarious. It's it's insane. But you know, it, you're right. It can be hard because I think that's just like another sort of unwritten thing that nobody tells you like oh you grow up and like you develop your life and that's great but that's ultimately gonna lead you farther away from people who are living their lives oh yeah wow this is like the therapy i didn't know i needed or maybe you didn't know you needed We pardon this interruption to introduce the Anchor Eatery, a breakfast and lunch restaurant located in Belmar, New Jersey. Founded in 2019 by owner Audley Largy, this quaint seaside establishment is serving delicious American classics. With weekly specials, surprise brunch-themed pop-ups, and a complete catering menu, Anchor Eatery is blooming with springtime possibility. Come and enjoy a friendly and welcoming atmosphere and get your pork roll, egg, and cheese. For more information, visit them online at theanchoreatery.com or on Instagram at anchoreatery underscore. Well, I had been doing that specific idea since, it was like January 2015, where I would just like do little videos in my car when like the Instagram video feature started um I remember going to like a family friend's house and I was just overhearing like a mom's friend's friend just talking about how her daughter is an angel and her daughter doesn't drink in college something crazy like that I always find that my organic and best work comes from making fun of something that I find ridiculous so naturally I found that idea ridiculous I drove to like a Barnes and Nobles to like because I remember it was January first and I was gonna quote unquote start reading that year. It definitely lasted till January third, so we did not continue that year nor any year. But I sat in my car and something else came out of it. I like did the mom with County Mom. It was such a like low key version of what it is now. I find that now these the character choices and the voices I do are so fabricated. Back then, it was just like this little New York voice because any mom from my area is from Brooklyn or Staten Island. It's all just transplants. So I did that and I got like a local, like very local following and that's all I thought it would ever be and it just kind of lived in that world for like five years. Then I would start like reaching out to different Instagram meme pages to post my videos because I found out from taking a class at UCB in LA, there was a girl that was doing really well online. She told me like, yeah, you just reach out to like this Instagram account, this one that has millions of followers, you pay them a small fee and they, small, LOL, you pay them a fee and they post your content. So that would happen. And I feel like by 2017, I had like a lot more of a following, but it wasn't huge yet. So then that lived and died because I would go through phases where I like didn't want anyone to know me and look at me and I didn't want to post at all. Then I moved to the city last year to really pursue the musical theater thing. And I was just too busy and too tired, honestly, to be doing instagram videos all day long so then luckily in a weird way with the pandemic starting i moved home and i just literally was like i have nothing else to do i'm gonna post these videos again it got really big on facebook initially i like posted this idea of the monmouth county mom 
and it was like in a way where you could just share the video because it was public and like one of the videos it was like the first one and people because I think people never saw me before on Facebook and they thought it was like so funny like this gay kid talks in this funny voice like to me it wasn't funny because I've been doing it for so many years but I guess like to an average housewife it was like the funniest thing they've ever seen and they just would it got like 500 shares and like 50,000 views where I was like wait this is going viral so then I was like, okay, take full advantage of this. So then I would just post them pretty regularly, like a couple times a week. Then TikTok, I knew was the big thing. I literally did not know how to TikTok. I was like, I do not Gen Z. I don't get it. So then I would just like take the videos from Instagram, even like old recycled videos, like secret is like, I literally took videos from years ago, put them on TikTok, didn't know how to really make it viral, what hashtags to use. And then on TikTok, it was like 500,000 views overnight. Like Thing, numbers I never thought I'd ever see. So then I was like, wait, so like now you have a TikTok cult following. Anytime I'd run into someone in public, like, you know, a distance at a beach type setting, anyone would say, I know you from TikTok. That was blowing my mind because I was always like an Instagrammer. That's how I identified. And then I realized, like, I love doing a lot of characters. I love showing, like, hey, I could be really bro, but I could also be a treat. Like, I love showing all the sides of me, but I also realized with social media, people come for one thing and they want to see a niche character so I really do have to like harp on this mom of county mom thing um and I think that maybe what makes me different is that I'm not in drag I think I would look so ugly in drag I would be the ugliest drag queen so I don't do that and I think that's what people gravitate to like oh it's just like a guy that like talks like a mom and it's realistic because I think I don't hold back I talk exactly like my mom and like any of my mom's friends and I think that that's what has drawn people to this so now the game of it all is taking my character and her villains and her friend Cheryl and all of it and just putting her in any social situation because if I've learned anything from like sketch writing class it's like have a character so know a character so well in and out that you can put them in any situation and have them thrive so that's kind of my current it's just sometimes I find like it's stale and I'm like Jake you're running out of ideas like people don't like this and then like I make a video out of nowhere and people love it so it's always going to be a flip-flop and so how do you find like the balance between i'm creating this because it's a ton of fun and i love doing it and, and people like it and like the following the numbers the views the you know is this sustainable like is there this sort of like nagging voice in the back of your head like you got to make another video or people aren't going to care about you anymore oh yeah i always want to go on a cleanse like i literally think i'm on a cleanse right now where i haven't posted in two days to a normal person that is very normal to not post on social media for two days and for me and for I guess people that do this kind of stuff it's like eating at you I think that a lot of content creators make this or they really strive for this aesthetically pleasing profile where every color is lined up every video every everyone looks perfect and like as much as I want to be that I think what really helps me not fall on that line of like I need to be perfect I need to post all the time is just like trusting that like sometimes my most organic ideas are when I just woke up I have 17 bags under my eyes and I'm at the coffee shop and I just make a video that's always worked the best for me and that's how my videos from day one started going viral was because like truth I think we're all like funniest when we just wake up and we like have some coffee and us like we're all or like hungover honestly and I would just like make content so like I think it'll always stay relevant and I'll always do well with this if I continue with this organic idea of no, Jake, you don't have to post a video because if you have to, you're going to fake it and it's not going to be funny and it's not going to be organic. When opportunities come my way and people want to do like collaboration videos, like I have one this weekend, that also has to come from a place of an organic feeling where I'm not just doing it to like do a collaboration or doing it to like add another idea in the book of the Mom of County Mom. Like 
I have that idea for Nordstrom's where I heard that Nordstrom's is the biggest. I literally did not know Nordstrom's was this big enterprise. But when I heard that, I was like, you have to make a funeral, a shiva call in front of Nordstrom's. So I did that because I wanted to and because it was so organic and I didn't look like a supermodel in it. Like I would love to look like a supermodel in all my videos, but I just didn't. And I was like, because I have a huge body dysmorphia. So I was like, I don't want to do that. So I just went and I like did it and it got like kajillions of views on Facebook because I just like took an idea. So I think that if I understand and trust that that is my brand, that is my thing, that like, Jake, you're not going to be this like perfect, aesthetically pleasing Instagram then I'll never feel pressure to answer your question. I'll never feel like this is work. It always has to be from like an organic. And honestly, like I have no idea in me right now, but if I go to ShopRite tonight and I see a mom doing a certain something, whatever, I'll literally find an idea from her. I'll sit in my car for a half hour and that'll be the video. So it's like, it really just comes out of nowhere. And I do think that I attribute that to ADD and ADHD because like truthfully it is, I've learned over the past like year, like totally a superpower. I'm like, you have to trust that like a lot of people's brains like don't dare to go there like in a million directions like mine does. Um, so I just trust that instinct and that's why it'll always be fun. I think until it's not fun until this idea expires. Wow. You, wow. You know, cause there's so much pressure there's so much expectations built into social media especially in this industry and for being a creative artist just like feeling like having a following is becoming a necessary element of being successful in this industry and it's just so refreshing to know that even though you've gained such a following you're still coming at it from a place of genuine organic feeling and trust and you're doing it because it's fun to do for you and and yeah because you see something you're observant and you see something that makes you laugh and you think it would be funny and it's so refreshing because I was just talking about this I don't know you know when Lady Gaga was like 16 17 I don't know how old she was when she started making music before she was famous like do you think she was sitting in her room being like I, I got to write this music so that I have millions of dollars one day. You know, I got to do it so that I have my personal assistant one day. Like, fuck no, man. She was, I don't even need to know her to know that like she was making it because she wanted to make it. And like, it just so happened in it's similar to your situation where it just so happened that people also liked it. Of course. And if you stay organic and persistent and with her specifically, I'm, I'm not like the be all end all Lady Gaga fan, but I do know her story of like, knocking down doors in New York City about like demanding that people see her that she could just perform for zero dollars like just so that she can get out there and perform and you know have the right people see it I remember her saying in an interview like even if I never got famous I'd still be like running around New York with my guitar and like banging on doors to perform um and you need to keep that sense of groundedness and with the follower thing you know we all measure in the followers and the quantity but like People from other realms, like girl, I have a friend of a friend who's like a girl fitness bodybuilder, and she was asking me one day, like at a social gathering, like, how do I build a following? Like, how did you build a following? Like, I just wish, I just wish, and like, I, Jake, am so, and I'm finally learning to love this about myself, I'm so individual and I'm so specific that I can't tell this gorgeous bodybuilder girl how to grow her following. She has to find whatever her niche is that, niche is that makes her so different than anyone else. Because if we're looking at it in the long haul, like, sure, you can maybe gain an overnight following from one viral video. But if you don't stay specific and individual and just enjoy what you're doing, then you're not going to keep those followers around. So, like, that's why I'll never buy followers. Like, that's such a thing in social media. Like, 
I'd rather have 15,000 rather than like the Instagram model that has 100,000. And like, no shame, no shame. It's really just like, this is the reality of it. And I have learned that like my rants is sometimes I get anxious. Like, oh no, I just talked about something political. Oh no, blah, blah. And it's like, no, Jake, people like you for that. They like you because you're loud. So they come back for that. And then you look and then overnight you gain like 100 followers because you were yourself. So like, you have to keep sticking to what you know works and of course you're going to lose people along the way the amount of people obviously i've lost with the election and all of that and you know people that don't agree with me like so be it those are the five percent that i don't need and you know i'm not for them and i'm they're not my target audience anyway so that comes with this social media roller coaster as well is just shutting up the voice in your head and we're you know not worrying about those negative people wow it's it's you you talk you talk about it with such expertise almost <laughs> I'm not recording video, but I wish I was. Oh my gosh, that is so that was good. Anyway, um, it's just it's, no, no worries, man. Not at all. It's just it's amazing. I think, like you know, I'm picking up on this sense of being unapologetic about what it is that you're putting out there, and it's it's so hard to navigate because it's a very personal thing. Like you're exposing yourself literally to just the world, you know? And, and I think there's that element of it that is sort of frightening in a way, but, but if you hold true to like believing in yourself and trusting your ideas are of value and, and just being unapologetic, that's like, for example, like, Oh, now cause ADG, like I wanted to, after we're done, like be like, so I have this friend, Chris, and he does this podcast and, like, try to be all, like, salesperson because I want to, like, talk about you and how much I'm loving this, but it'll be so much more organic and individualized and personable if I go, hey, guys, so I literally was doing a podcast and fell off a chair (laughs) while talking and I have a bruise on my arm, like, no joking, and laugh through that awkward moment in my life to then talk about you because, like, that feels more organic. And then when I do that, people are like, oh, my, and then they, like, literally would check you out more, not to be, like talking about like so like selling your thing totally Um, but truly that's what i what works is when you're just like organically like stupid like i'm like some such stupid shit happens to me and when i talk about it people want to come back and listen for more and then even though when i put my head on the pillow sometimes i'm like jake you're really annoying online like you should shut up and like breathe for a second and then it's like no because then you're not gonna then your long-term goal is not gonna happen of being this entertainer if you just shut up for a second like who is that helping like literally no one so yeah does that make sense? I don't know. You're always returning to this idea that, you know, even if you, you know, you second guess yourself or whatever, you're returning to this idea that it's, it's who you are and people are actually giving you the attention because you're being who you are, not because you're making up all this special content that is carefully thought out and pre-planned and all this stuff. I don't know if I'm making any sense with that, but. Oh, absolutely. But you're talking to the CEO of does not make sense. So <laughs> I think we're meeting somewhere in the middle. Like 
because people like spend their laughs on that medication and it helps them out so like and those are just two like and i'm not even just saying this for the laugh factor literally those are just two of the many so like i think i've had this time a lot of us have had this time over the past year to like research what it is that like you're saying like makes us act a certain way makes us feel a certain thing about other things and i think that's the biggest journey and crossover i've had the past year is like identifying disorders for what they are and just accepting them they're not all consuming they don't define me but they're just a part of me so it makes sense and it answers so many questions there's the most you get the most clarity when you're like oh this is what i have and you know even and also we have to take the shame off of self-diagnosing because not everyone can afford therapy not everyone can get that medication so like if you're reading a disorder description or you're reading a this or that and like and you're like oh that's me that's my life okay so like now you know what it is and now you know the tools you can take the therapy you can go through or the self-work you can do to overcome that so yeah that answers that i think i've now like named things that go on in my mind so that i have more clarity on how to go about fixing them and thank god for this making people more aware and this culture that people have looked at me as like a snowflake and there's this people call other people snowflakes like thank god for being snowflakes like thank god people are finally aware of certain things that like and of course there's like funny skits about it how everyone's offended by everything we could all joke around that everyone's offended by everything but like thank god people speak up about it now because i was an idiot in 2016 like i like still am but like i was such more of an idiot in 2016 and like thank god i'm now a woke for lack of a better term person in so many ways thank god billy eilish talks about her tick syndrome because i have tick syndrome i've had it since i'm a child like it's on my diet literally it's on like doctor's papers when i'm a child but that's something i would never talk about like this is an, like that's embarrassing to me the second billy eilish talks about it i'm like wait i do too and then like i'm with friends that they have it too i'm looking at them ticking like we're all fucking anxious and have disorders like we're all going through it so like thank god for people now speaking about things the me too movement black lives matter like you know there's just everything is its own thing trust me that's a whole other issue everything is its own story and problem but as far as mental health like i'm proud that there are people out there that are so loud and now we can feel less alone i'm happy we're part of this generation that can be more open about it all yeah yeah and every time it feels sort of uncomfortable is just like another reminder of like how much I need to like learn, you know, how much more. Yeah, all of us. Yeah, it's, it's... I think acceptance is the right word. It's going into every day knowing like, Jake, it's not going away today. Like you're going to feel the same anxieties you felt yesterday and like the day before because it's ingrained. Like it's your chemical imbalance. Like everyone has their own like things that they struggle with. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and like not have imposter syndrome. Like we're all going to have a certain thing every day, but your tactics can change. So for me, if it's like, coffee and social media can really make me anxious in the morning what do you do you remove coffee and social media in the morning and you do like those little things that are manageable you know working out if that helps you more or don't work out if you obsess over working out so i think like once you accept what these issues are that lie in you and you look for little changes then you can slowly help yourself it doesn't mean the whole day is going to be perfect no one can expect that but you can do your best. I'm also not a mental health expert, so I don't really know if I'm saying any of the right things, but these are the things that have worked, some tactics that have worked for me for sure. Being transparent is important too. Like the amount of times I try to like mask my voice or my personality or whatever via social media, like it only is destructive. It's only not getting you to the end goal. So now I like exercise this tool of being loud and transparent about mental health and about things I used to be maybe ashamed of or embarrassed of or I talk this way, I'm annoyed. Like, no, like, because the people, like you're saying, these influencers, they don't look back, they just go because it's what they do and they want to build something. So, like, if I want to build a brand in any way and build this comedy, like, 
why are you being another person? Why are you trying to mask the parts that make you individual? It's not going to get you anywhere in the long run. So uh, I say this like it's like easy. Like I'm like, oh, I'm just going to leave this podcast and go do that. Like it's not just going to happen, but like you do have to like, that's why I'm like, this is literally therapy for me in the best way. Like it reminds me to practice those practices more often. Yes. Yes. I'm loving it. I'm loving because we've, both just grown and 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 life is new now and now we can just find something new together it's like oh yes i have not grown i'm still five six but <laughs> i have hopefully grown up there i don't know you're tall you're like seven feet right <laughs> right you're like around seven feet oh man i just want to say thank you again and and i really appreciate you and um this was a pleasure man talk to you soon all right peace Yes, here we are at the end of another great episode. So grateful to catch up with Jake. It has been far too long, and what a conversation we had. So lucky for his time and honesty. He was making me laugh so much. He he truly doesn't hold back. And like he said, that has brought him so much success. You know, we were talking about making observations about people he comes in contact with and that his characters and stories are all based on real-life people, real situations that he finds funny. I hope you picked up on his reflection about diagnosing his ADD and ADHD. He called it a superpower, and I think that's beautiful, because it clearly is. It's given him the ability to be extra observant and attentive and creative and develop his authenticity. And in that realness, his comedy evolves, and it has worked. It was so refreshing to hear that he sustains his following and content creation not by putting pressure on himself thinking, oh my god, I I have to make something or I'm going to lose everything, but simply by following through on ideas that he has in the moment that come organically and just trusting himself and the parts of himself that he might think are annoying or once embarrassed him actually allow him to be specific and unique and fully himself and it's difficult as hell (laughs) for sure we are working on it more and more every day it's an ongoing practice So here's to taking some time to practice today. Thanks again for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, write comments and reviews, and share with friends and family. The best place to reach me is on Instagram, at Sharon Feelings. Message me anytime. Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Sharon!